You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. All right, this is Wyatt with the Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. And this week we've got Dawn Casey Rowe on, and she's going to be enlightening us uh, a little bit about writing and education combined together. Some good stuff here. And uh, Dawn, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent, Wyatt. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and if you want to give us a little introduction, short uh, introduction for those that uh, don't know you yet. Well, I live in Rhode Island, in rural Rhode Island, with uh, my family and some chickens and uh, and dogs. And I teach and I write, and I also work in technology. Nice. And and what do you teach? Uh, this year, I'm teaching American history, law, and civics. It's high school, so you get what you get, and we're having uh, some fun with those things. Nice, nice, yeah. So now you can you give us a little uh, window into what you've written um, so far? Sure. I, I've been somebody who just always had that notebook and that scrap paper with me forever, but I never really did anything with it until I reconnected with uh, my college friend, uh, an author named Kamal Ravikant, and, and I never even knew he wrote at the time. Um, and so we reconnected and uh, over some writing that he had done, and uh, which was just beautiful stuff. And he said, you know, you need to write for real. Um, so I said, sure, you know, I, I have no idea what I'd really write about. And, uh, um, you know, I was talking about maybe writing about education because we were right in the, in the maelstrom of um, education reform. And I thought, well, maybe I'll write about this. There's so many things that really need to be fixed. And then I thought, yeah, I might. I think I'd prefer to stab my left eye with a chopstick than do that right now. So it really became something of what do I write? And Kamal said, "Well, how about a blog?" So I started blogging, and and that just uh, turned into okay, you need to get a book out there. And I wrote uh, my first book, "Don't Sniff the Glue: A Teacher's Misadventures in Education Reform." Um, and I, I guess you can figure I, I did write a little bit about education. Nice, nice. And then you've gone on to write some children's books as well, right? Well, that was actually, I need to apologize to every amazing uh, author out there who has just written, you know, I love children's books and I love the illustrations and the depth and things. Uh, but I have a, a great friend um, whose name is uh, Sarah Steenland. Her cartoons are, are just fantastic. They're all over the internet at the, and you can check those out. But um, Sarah and I said, well, we, we can do this. You know, I wrote a, a, a larger book, and Sarah's an amazing artist. I bet we could do this. So we wrote uh, just a little book uh, that was about my son, who, you know, doesn't always listen 100%. And we put that out there. And then we thought, you know, I think we're going to write some more. So right now we're, we're working on a Halloween book that might not make it for this Halloween about a, a vegetarian zombie. So, uh, I think it's something we'll continue something that we're definitely going to have fun with. Uh, I don't know if we'll win, you know, uh, any kind of a, an award, but we're, we're just having a, a great time, uh, just following the, the journeys of our kids and, and getting some of that out there uh, for other kids. Right. And so you've, you've basically made your kid into a dinosaur. Is that right? I did. Well, Sarah did. She chooses the uh, the creatures. She's the uh, the brilliant, you know, comedic mind behind that. But her kids are represented as squids in most of her work. Uh, they 
are on a houseboat and um, homeschool. And, and so their school is, in effect, you know, traveling from island to island and country to country. They did a, a Kickstarter for an Indonesian school and got the supplies, brought them, you know, things like that. They'll do videos on the environment and things. So, um, you know, our kids together are, are, are something that you know, we wish they could be next door neighbors, but uh, we put them in books instead. Right, right. Now, the the book I'm looking at is T Rex tries to annoy mom. Right. Yes. And it looks like it looks like you had a lot of fun with that. I think so, because I didn't think, you know, you look at a children's book and and it's so you you turn over the back and the description on the book is longer than the book itself. And I I have to say, when I started in that space, I didn't have the proper respect. But, you know, now that I've been writing for a while, I realize it is tons harder to write small and write clean and write efficient. Like uh, if you have unlimited space, you can just keep writing. But when you've got to write something with, you know, uh, know, to second grade level, to to the space of a tweet, you know, when you have a, a page limit involved, it's actually a lot harder. I, I think so. I, I just really gained a respect for all the people who work in that genre, and I, I, I study them now. Nice, yeah. So, what do you you're you're working on the the uh, the book right now with Sarah? Also, uh, the zombie book. What's it called again? Uh, we actually don't have a title for it. We have a concept of a vegetarian zombie because we were both uh, looking at the concept of healthy eating and nutrition and, and, and children. And it's, it's something I feel so strongly about. I, I grow my own food when I can. I eat very, very clean. And um, being around teens all day, I see a lot of Pop-Tarts. Um, and so Sarah and I were looking at doing some things that would really get some some health or some wellness issues while still being as, as you know snarky and fun as, as the two of us are. Um, so, so that's what that's going to be. And I, I hope, yeah, I want to think about health a little bit more in the future for that age group because it's so very, very important. And I don't think that schools put, you know, enough emphasis on the practice of health versus the study of health. So, um, you know, we, we may do more with that on that road. Right. And you want to make it fun and, and not the usual. And so, yeah, it seems like it'd be a, it'd be a hit. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, look for that. So what else are you wor- are working on right now that you're really excited about? Well, right now I'm, I'm super excited about um, my newest book is going to be called uh, A Broke Teacher's Guide to Success. And this is, again, something this took me by surprise. I, um, I had a friend who, who left. I'm in Rhode Island and she left Rhode Island and went to Oklahoma um, because they had a great need for teachers. She was recruited and uh, she ended up getting paid half of what she made here and really just ending up in a financially bad situation. And, and I, I was I was indignant for her. There's so many areas in the nation that, that teachers are just not paid fairly. I'm in a very a good position as far as what teachers nationally make, but that's not the case, certainly in Oklahoma and and so many other places. And I I said, you know, I'm just angry and and it's taking everything I can not to just, you know, put this out on social media, not to write about it. You know, I just, I wouldn't expose somebody else's personal story. And she said, you know, I I wish you would. And, and that just struck me deeply. And, and so I started just putting snarky broke teacher comments on, um, on Facebook and, uh, recipes for ramen and just really obnoxiously, uh, you know, frugal and cheap things. And eventually I decided, let me throw this on a a website and I can fit more snark there. So I had articles about the best places in your community to steal pens and pencils, for example. And (laughs) 
um, you know, and, and things you can reuse like dental floss and, you know, all these things, you know, it's just, just really kind of striking deep. I tend to, to, to kind of look for a situation that needs improvement and then see how I can spin that to make you think without ranting. And, um, and so that turned into this book, uh, and the book, I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're writing something and it changes itself and you just hold that pen, um, you know, what started as, as a financial literacy book that I had no business in life writing. I mean, I've, I've owned businesses that have set me back. I've, uh, I've certainly crumbled in, in that area with, with some of my, uh, uh, spaces and had to rebuild, but it ended up me looking at that journey and then from the opposite side, the education and then looking at the space of, well, you know, how does a teacher in that space, how do we get better? How do we improve? How do we, uh, you know, rebuild our lives? And not just, it was originally, um, you know, people were, were talking about why do you want to use the word broke? You know, you, that, that word broke is so significant. And, and so for me as a teacher, it kind of represented broke and broken because we're dealing in, in such a, uh, a difficult time to be a teacher. So, um, it ended up going from a hundred percent of financial literacy and, you know, why coupons will break you. And, you know, just the, all those, those typical types of chapters you'd expect as a reminder for not spending your paycheck on your classroom and such. But, uh, it went from there to, to a whole lot of my own journey and the mistakes I'd made in my twenties and thirties and digging out and, and not just thinking about, you know, I'm going to be a broke teacher and I can, you know, pay my bills. How do I survive and thrive and, and really just get to that next level? And, you know, uh, so that's what I'm, I'm writing. I've just been lucky enough to, to, to work around and be around such amazing entrepreneurs and success in, in the other side of my life that I thought, well, you know, just excited, uh, just treading water is not going to do it for teachers. So how do we transcend? And, and a lot of that's going to be the side jobs or talents or developing ourselves continually and always learning. So that was kind of where that book came from. And, and I hope it's valuable. Yeah, it sounds like it would be, especially as it morphs. Um, now you're writing that solo. Uh, yes, I'm just finishing it up. It, uh, I, I promised it would go over to the editor uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, it's not quite there yet. It, I hopefully soon. So nice. Now, yeah, because you, I, I've read, uh, you know, one of the the blog posts you had about. Um, uh, first year or, or uh, the administration hiring uh, new teachers being uh, a good deal. And you had some snarky comments in there about the, you know, you, you folded that in. It was it was kind of an interesting read on how they take advantage uh, or administrations can take advantage of, of um, you know, new teachers. And I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Do you, is that kind of woven into the book as well or is there... Um, you'll actually find a lot of those in, in the first and don't sniff the glue. It was really my journey from corporate and, and things into teaching. And so, um, it'll be in both books. You'll, you'll definitely see that theme. Um, you know, I, again, I think in the Northeast we're, we have it good. We're, we're very lucky compared to a lot of, uh, of different places in the nation, which have so much, you know, killer costs of living teacher shortages. If you look at San Francisco, teachers will leave when their rent increases. So they may have to, you know, leave mid year. Um, and so, um, a New York, a Manhattan teacher couldn't get an apartment nearby for less than, you know, three, 4,000. So I'm really lucky, but in a lot of places, the new teachers are getting the roughest schedules. They're getting, you know, you, you're going to coach 87 things. They're, they're all working weekends. And, and so it's, it's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have a friend who moved from Oregon, uh, to the East coast because, um, you know, better, 
opportunities, but also more, he felt like there was more support here than out there. And, you know, in terms of um, administration or, or, or people, you know, money. And, uh, and so that, that's interesting to see. Um, but, but speaking of, you know, busy and, and being a teacher that's busy and you're a, a parent as well, uh, which is a lot of work. Um, but how, how do you, how do you juggle, uh, that and, and write uh, at the same time? <laughs> See, that's kind of funny. I've, I've talked about that before, and, and a lot of people give me the, uh, you know, if I had your time a speech. Uh, and, and that's something I, I take very personally because time isn't something, I mean, we all have the same 24 hours a day and, and it's how we choose to allocate them and what we prioritize that becomes in effect who we are. Um, if, if you need to write, you're going to write. If you're an athlete, you're going to find that time that, that you need to work out. So whatever the, the thing is, you, you allocate that time. And um, for me, 4 a.m. has always been the, the, the time. You know, even growing up when I would write, it, it was in the morning. I, I, I've always been an early riser. So now I kick it a little bit earlier. So maybe 4, 4.30, I'm up with my coffee. I'm writing by the wood stove. And and I get a good two solid hours to write it, until I have to get ready and leave for school. So that's my uninterrupted time. And, and I know that I'm going to do that every day, every weekday, every weekend, every holiday, that's my time. And it's not like, oh, it's four o'clock. I have to write. It's I get to write. And that that's a big deal. So uh, for me, the consistency, the blocking out the time ahead of time, and then just doing it every day. And then so at night, I, I'm not a big TV fan. And I do go to bed early at night, I might take things and may do a little copy editing, or I might write a couple articles that I have in the hopper. Um, you know, the writing that doesn't need to be as, as emotional or, or deep, I can do it at the less productive time. But I make sure I'm always is, you know, doing what I need to do in the morning. And that's a good way to get things done, I think. Right. And then the fuel or some of the ideas, uh, those come from some of the interactions and things you might do during the day. Is that, so your, your day uh, kind of helps fuel some of that writing, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I, for me, I, I've been lucky. A lot of people have asked, um, you know, how do you get ideas? And um, some uh, good friend of mine, Claudia Azula, wrote a book, The Idea Machine, and, and talked about you have to have ideas every single day. And if you have, you know, 10 ideas a day and you make that a practice, you're going to have ideas. Well, I've been cursed with the, I've got a lot of ideas and I need to have time to process them. Um, so for me, I do it backwards. If, if I'm walking or if I'm running or if I'm driving, you know, I'll dictate what I'm thinking into the phone and I will deal with it at four 30 in the morning. And that way I feel peaceful that I, I jotted it in my notebook or I was able to dictate it while I was on, you know, while I was busy and I'm not going to forget it. So I'll know to have that, uh, to develop that writing when it's time. Yeah, definitely. And having that being, being able to have a notebook or, or some way to dictate uh, those ideas can just escape you. But one of the things you've got all those ideas, you got them down, you, you, you put them out there and, and you've got this book. And uh, I have to ask, uh, when do you know when it's done? You know, <laughs> so that's a super challenge because I find that, um, I always feel very, you know, the, all over the place when, when I write and then all of a sudden a project will speak to me. So I've got, you know, four or five projects just there. And I use Scrivener. I really like Scrivener because it lets me write by segment and by chapter very, very easily. So I'll find that I have a file for each book and that um, if I, if a chapter about something, I'm, I'm working on a homesteading project, uh, for somewhere down the road. So if I'm, I'm in the mood to write about, you know, fermentation or my, you know, killing my zucchini, I'll put it in there. And then 
eventually I realized, okay, this is the project that's speaking to me. Like I didn't intend to do the, uh, the broke teacher book, uh, now that was for, you know, it was a joke and it was for down the road, but at some point it spoke to me and I had to sit down and write it. Um, and once I write something, I'll put it away. I'll put it away for a couple of weeks, put it away for a month and then come back to it fresh and see, does it still resonate? How do I have to rewrite and edit? And, and I've, you know, the first book I, I must've edited six, seven, eight times. I, I edited a lot, but then I discovered, I went to a seminar, um, a Robert McKee's story. He's a excellent screenwriter. And I was, uh, was gifted this, uh, this experience. And I went and Mr. McKee said, yes. And, you know, and by the 52nd time I edited, then I thought, Oh, I, I haven't been doing well at all. And so this book I edited considerably more and I meant to ship it off. And then I felt the need to edit it two or three more times. So I continue to go through and then I'll put it aside and go through it again. And until I've come up with something that I think will serve a reader. Like, I don't care if I like it, but if I feel like I can look at it as an outsider and it has value, then I, I'm getting close. Yeah. But you're on the inside and it's, so how do you, how do you make yourself an outsider to know that you've hit that and, and it's good to go and, and you can let it go and, and, and let it be on its own. Well, at that point, I'm going to get a couple readers. So this time, okay. um, I got a, a friend of mine, um, Megan, who read. Uh, she instructed financial literacy, um, and she's familiar with with my pers- my style. She was a homeschooling mom as well for a while. So uh, because she ha- she knew that space, she was able to see if there was a flow and usability to the text. Um, I had my accountant review a chapter on taxes, and she crossed out anything and put conditional verbs and oh, can, might, may be able to. So that was something that. I would not have seen on my own. She, she was very, very firm about those verbs. And, uh, and, uh, I had maybe one or two other people read sections that I thought would, would resonate with them in their space. Um, and then after that, I was able to say, okay, this hit and this missed. Right. So now you're, you're having this go to a publisher. You're not going to just, um, you know, publish it direct to Amazon or something like that. This one I am going to self-publish. I self-published the last one. I had um, a friend introduce me to an excellent agent, but at the time I was pretty new to publishing and I didn't realize the length of time it would take, you know, from start to finish. Uh, it, it's a year, year and a half. It's a long time from uh, there. And I just, at that point, I'd been working on the book for so long. It came from my soul. I needed it to be out. I needed it to, you know, be released. So um, I released it. And, and this one I'll self-publish, I think. And, uh, you know, m- maybe there'll be a uh, traditional publishing experience in my future. I don't Right. Uh, but I don't think for this one. Not for this one, right. So now you've you've been a teacher for a while now, and you've been a, a writer for uh, a while now. What what advice would you give your younger self? I think a couple of things. I think do it for real. Um, you know, I, for me, I was very lucky. I, I would, probably wouldn't be writing today if it weren't for for my friend Kamal saying, "Hey, you got to do this." And I mean, and I trusted him. And this was—he has uh, two soon to be three bestsellers, so he knew. You know, he knows knows his stuff. But back then, um, I just said, "Okay, I'm going to do this." And and so I would encourage everybody, and I do encourage a lot of teens to put their stuff out for real. Like when I was a teen, when I was, uh, you know, in college, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything. So if you were going to get picked up in music or, or art or writing, you had to be seen by somebody, by a, a scout. Now that that playing field is, is equalized. And so it's, it's possible for 
anybody to really, you know, build a great base and, and get a great following and, and do anything creative that they want to without, you know, that, that permission from, from the establishment, you just put yourself out there, you market it, you, you put it on your social media and if it flies, it flies. And so I would say to every single kid, and I do say to every single kid, and I speak on this, uh, you need to put it out there for real. You know, you're the expert on YouTube. You're, you know, uh, amazing on Vine. You, you've got your space now use it. Right, right. So your younger, so to your younger self, you'd say, you know, uh, get out there a little bit uh, sooner and uh, trust that what you're going to create is is good. Is it? Would that be? Yeah, absolutely. Like I did a little bit of that, but I, I just think that the you know, the playing field has changed. Everything has been transformed and turned upside down. So if if I were young today, I would have a whole different you know, opportunity set. Right. And you'd have more opportunity and you've got all those ideas. Like you said, you've got all these ideas and now even more opportunity to put those ideas out there. So how do you decide which ones, you know, how do you test those ideas? Which ones are going to fly? Which ones are really going to, you know, make a difference in someone's lives or somebody's life and, or, you know, uh, really work and resonate? How, how do you, do, do you have some way of deciding or, or, or seeing if something will fly or, or really work. Yeah. I'm going to have to get a little more serious about this because the broke teacher thing has just wasn't, I didn't expect it to be a project. So I, I learned how to build websites. I did these things. So now I have to really professionalize it. But I noticed that when I put things out, you know, I, this uh, project had a, a little bit of a, of a, a latitude. So I had things from classroom tips to, um, to, you know, frugal but elegant food, the lifestyle. I had all these spaces. And when I put it out there, overwhelmingly, people responded to my food. And then I put a classroom tip or something really genius about education, which is supposed to be about education, and no one cared. And so I'd put, like, here's what I had for lunch and put a little recipe there. And again, you know, it just went a little bit uh, bonkers. So I think for me, it's, it's you have to listen to your crowd. Like, if I'm in this to provide value for you and you're telling me that, okay, this is cool. And that kind of put me to sleep. I have to then, you know, go in that direction as, as an artist or a creator. If I've, you know, my, uh, anything else and I'm writing a journal, it's just not effective. So, uh, that's what I do. And, uh, when I have a couple of projects in, in the, uh, in the Dropbox, in the hopper, I'll ask people, I said, oh, what do you think of this? Is this something that would be valuable or you'd read this? Uh, here's what I've got so far. And and if I get that response in, in just a 30 second conversation, I know I might have something. And and then, you know, I can feel the beginnings if, if I really want to pursue it, it it's going to be the next project. I, I think I know where I'm going uh, next. So, you know, you just feel that path. And, and, and if I don't, then I'll just pull out for a bit and I'll write some articles, post some blog posts, take a few pictures. And then when a larger project speaks to me, yeah, that's what I'll do. Right, right. Now, the the flip side of that is okay. You've got an audience that responds to certain things, and you've got some of these other ideas, and the audience doesn't respond. So, could you bring that to a different audience and actually have have it grow and have wings? Have you thought about some of those, you know, branching out into, you know, seeing if a different audience would uh, capture that genius, you know, um, uh, teaching uh, idea that you had. 
You know, I don't know if it's genius, and I think I'm just a little <laughs> well, left to center in some of this. So, so maybe that's the answer. There's a plenty of better people out there with lesson plans and curriculum analysis and all these things. Um, I, I don't think that's what I offer. But if I wanted to, what I've done, and this is something I learned working for uh, a tech company I was uh, doing content for. Um, you know, I was hired as a teacher blogger in that space. But again, as as everything grew and as the areas we needed to uh, to produce content for got wider and wider, I said, you know, I can talk about sustainability authentically. I have a, I can also talk about fitness. I had a, you know, I've taught fitness for years. I have a, a fitness business, and so. Because I, I am interested in so many things and I'm developed in those areas, I can carry myself in a wider space. So the key to that in transitioning an audience is to, you know, take the education audience and put something interesting in a, in a periphery area and, and transition it little by little. I can't just all of a sudden be writing about, you know, a fitness, for example, but I could connect the two and I could, uh, uh, you know, transition and bring the, the part of the audience that would like to grow into another area along. So that's usually what I'll do is make sure I'm always versatile and uh, continuing to learn and explore other things. Right. That makes sense. Now, right. So we've kind of covered what you would tell your younger self as, as a writer, but what about as a teacher? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. Um, as a teacher, I have totally changed 180 degrees my mission and my philosophy. I walked in here, and, and I have to almost apologize for, for my attitude. You know, I figured you know, I was going to leave corporate America. I was going to save the world. It would be fantastic. You know, angels would sing, and, and, and education would be great, and, and no kid would ever be bored again. And, and what I encountered was uh, the, the beginning of, of education reforms uh, and standardization. And, and, you know, everything was about data. At the time, I had not an ounce of data training behind me. I didn't teach about dead people. My undergraduate major was uh, a language, which now we can learn on Rosetta Stone for 200 bucks. So, I mean, I it wasn't my space. And so... Uh, I couldn't think that way. And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, I use this stuff and, and I do do it. And, and so the way they're doing it is not how we would do that in the real world sometimes. So I would now tell my younger self teaching, hey, you're right. And you're, you're not wrong. And, and everybody along the way who has said, well, you didn't Xerox five days ahead of time and, or you don't plan this way. I would say, no, you know, if you're creative and you're knowledgeable, you know, your field and, and you can take the field and connect it to everything else, you, you'll be fine. I would probably recommend I get a marketing degree before education, because this is all improv, stand up and, and uh, marketing. If I can't, you know, sell my concepts or my passion to my crowd, they tune out. And that's half the problem in, in education today is, is students are disengaging. So um, that I'd say, hey, you're right. Do it your way. It's not wrong. And you might have to fight, fight a battle or two. But if you do, um, do it with passion and make sure those kids know how to find their passion too. Right. Right. I, I think that's funny. You stand up uh, um, marketing, stand up comedian, or what have you to try to get that attention. Um, <laughs> you're competing well, uh, with so many other things that bring more attention, you know. Than- well, but, you know, I don't have to compete, you know. So I see a kid on, um, on his phone during my class, and I'll say, Is that a Snapchat? without me? And, you know, so you just, you know where your audience is. And, and like, 
any improv actor that or, or stand-up comedian that I just I've loved, they were able to just take any moment and make it golden for the audience. And so I realized over time that's that's what I do. And and so now I have jokes that have been written over time or routine, little routines when I work on a certain subject area, and that matters. And, and so I've I they need to understand. I, at first, I was going to send them all to Yale and Harvard. Nobody can afford Yale and Harvard anymore without a scholarship. So. Uh, I need to make them able to learn in any situation on their own. And that's, that's serious. It's a tough economy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, but, but is education, you know, catching up with that, uh, those change, those changes, you know, in the economy, uh, uh, that's a, a good question, too. I know I'm lucky because, again, I, I work in a, a career and technical uh, school, and our school is pretty much at the forefront of those trends. Um, the uh, Rhode Island Economic Development Corporation knows the, the, the five fields we're targeting. The uh, uh, the governor has has uh, included funds for you know getting kids STEM ready and, and getting some of the jobs that we know to be uh, impactful, getting those kids trained. So I'm at a, in a unique position with my students where they they pick a technical area and they'll major in it and then they can be college ready and, and stuff. Um, but I don't know if, a, if every school is, and, and that's tough. I mean, you're working with, uh, you know, large districts where it, there's tech inequities or, or, you know, you can't get a substitute. There's, there's so many things that need to catch up in education. Um, and, and I, I not going to be able to solve them. All I can do is, you know, transform a little bit. And I, and I think my experience in business and technology, uh, I've learned that, you know, this is what the real world's doing. This is what your boss is going to want and what you're going to need to do for a higher level job. So for me, that's what I have to target. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it's a, there's a lot to um, the, the answer and and exploration of education and and what we do, uh, but but since we're uh, out of time, um, we'll leave it at that. But Don, I, I really appreciate you being on the show, and I, I was wondering if you had any last advice for those who are writing their own book, um, and also if you'd kind of give us um, uh, where to go to uh, view more of, of what you've got. Um, actually, I think that for anybody, I would say whatever you do, just just get out there in your space and create, whether you're writing, singing, doing things, um, get get it done. And don't say, well, tomorrow or, or when, you know, when my kid's in school or when this, because you won't do it. So put that time aside, whether it's 10 minutes a day, 100 minutes a day, put it aside and get that, that work done. And, uh, and, and you'll then be whatever you said you were going to be in the future. Nice, nice. And now, where can people go to to see more of what you've got? Okay, on Twitter, I'm at Running DMC. Um, I also have my personal blog at CaffeeCasey.com, and then the BrokeTeacher.com blog is is the one I've been developing and, and learning to improve my own blogging skills. But uh, I'll redesign that soon, so I can be be contacted through any of those sites. Right, and your new book will be out probably this when? winter. I would say this winter or early spring. So I, I always plan, and then it's a little bit later than I think it'll be. But uh, that's what my target is. All right. All right. So we'll look for that on Amazon, right? Excellent. Yes, yes. It'll be right there. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Donna. It was great to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Wyatt. It was a pleasure. <laughs>